RBC is a proud partner and supporter of Powwow Pitch and Indigenous entrepreneurs like Squalwen Botanicals' Lee Joseph. Discover her story in RBC's latest edition of A Chosen Journey at rbc.com forward slash a chosen journey. Traditional healing with a modern vibe. Sister Sage, powwow pitch winner, has got you covered. Cleanse your body and spirit with smokeless smudge, handmade soaps and bath bombs. Peace, love and smudge. Join the Sage fam at sistersage.com. Shopify is supporting Powwow Pitch to scale across Turtle Island this year to grow our support for Indigenous entrepreneurs. Visit shopify.com forward slash Powwow Pitch to scale with us by selling your products online with a 30-day free trial. Quay, welcome everyone to the Powwow Pitch podcast a show empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. I am your host, Sunshine Quemtanasco, and I'm an entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi and Anishinaabeg. I got my entrepreneurial start on Dragon's Den selling baby moccasins. And today I'm the creator of Powwow Pitch and Her Braids, an author, water protector, mom, and advocate of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Each year, Powwow Pitch supports thousands of Indigenous entrepreneurs to tell their stories. I launched this podcast to grow the reach of our entrepreneurial wisdom connected to our rich culture and deep roots as Indigenous people. On this podcast, I interview some of the most successful Indigenous entrepreneurs, makers and creators to share their stories, learnings and wisdom to lift us all. The Powwow Pitch podcast is a production of Powwow Pitch, syndicated through the Startup Canada podcast network and co-presented by RBC, Shopify and Facebook. Welcome to the show. Are you ready to turn the page in your entrepreneurial journey? Today, we're lucky to have the founder and CEO of Raven Reads, Nicole McLaren. Hi, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you for, for coming on our first uh, Powwow Pitch podcast series. We've never done a podcast, so we're super grateful that you're uh, you're being a part of it. And uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about you and tell Tell our listeners who Nicole is. Um, Nicole is an award-winning Métis entrepreneur from British Columbia and Saskatchewan. Her background in economic development and passion for supporting Indigenous authors and entrepreneurs allowed her to transform a small book club into Raven Reads, a thriving quarterly, quarterly subscription box service. Since its beginnings, Raven Reads has grown exponentially with thousands of subscribers in across Canada, the U.S. and Europe. Raven Reads is primed for global growth and wholesale distribution with a new warehouse and exciting new collaboration with Powwow Pitch, which means a big opportunity for Indigenous entrepreneurs. 
So we're excited about that over here and we can't wait to get this uh, collaboration started. I feel like we share a lot of the the same views uh, on on a lot of things. Um, Nicole has invested over $150,000 back into the Indigenous economy and donated over $2,000 to literacy programs for Indigenous children and youth. Nicole is also a founder and chair of the Indigenous Women's Business Network and holds two bachelor's degrees in working toward and is working towards her MBA and lives in the Southern Ontario interior of British Columbia with her husband and two children. Whoo, that was a long introduction. You have a lot going on, Nicole. Welcome to the Power Pitch Podcast. Um, we're happy to, we're happy that you're here. Um, yeah. Why don't you start us off and tell us a bit about your entrepreneurial journey? Because I feel like it's a, it's a big one. You have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for having me on today and, and that lovely introduction. So Raven Reads really, the genesis really happened when I was working uh, for a large corporation. Um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report had just come out. And I was doing a lot of work to help the company do better in this space. But I was really looking for something that I could personally um, contribute to. So I started a, a book club. I thought it was uh, an easy way to engage my coworkers, And we focused exclusively on books written by Indigenous authors. Mm. And I started to see how well these books resonated with my coworkers in helping them make connections between our history in Canada and, and contemporary issues. Uh, for example, you know, how intergenerational trauma can impact uh, young people today for something that maybe happened to family members some time ago. And so I saw a opportunity in the subscription box model to bring these books accompanied with really great products from other Indigenous brands to Canadians and, uh, and, and readers across the nation as well as into the U.S. So it really kind of took off as this excellent platform, both in terms of providing educational content, but also supporting Indigenous entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Did you find that? Uh, how did that grow? Like, how does one grow that? Like, from a book club to, you know what? I'm going to just send yeah. these all over Turtle Island and Europe. Like, how does that even happen? I have been perpetually seeking that magical idea that would allow me to work from home. Mm. And, you know, we're all kind of always looking for something, especially if you have a family. And I don't know, at one point we, we learned the myth that working for yourself would, would allow more time. <laughs> but uh, so for years, I was testing ideas, thinking of things that, that would, you know, my husband would support and get behind me on. So I found this one was really the, would be that successful idea. So I spent about a year working on the business plan, researching my market. I was working in downtown Vancouver and had a two-hour commute one way. So I I jacked up the data plan on my phone and I spent hours on a bus and a train and I did a lot of work um, during my commute. My evenings and weekends was spent researching things 
And um, it just seemed like a perfect timing and um, was something I think that needed to happen right away. So that, that, that drove the timeline a bit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to have a lot of passion to be that committed, uh, you know, to work on it on the bus, work on it on the weekends. What was that fire? Like, why? I, You know what I mean? Like, people have all these ideas, like, I should do this or I want to do this. Uh, but there's a different fire that makes a person take action. Was it was that was it family? Was it like, what was it? It's definitely a combination of things. I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be successful in terms of launching something and, and have it be a success and have it grow into something. And I, when I get committed to an idea, I want to, I want to research it and I want to test it out. So I, you know, it, it takes a lot of work and it. Each entrepreneur is different in terms of what they're, their dreams and their ambitions are and, and what their timeline is for achieving those. And like I said, I was also looking for a way to transition from 16 years working in a corporate environment to something that would allow me to be more creative and be more passionate mm. and, and just, you know, do things the way I'd like to. And so do you like, do you do this full time now? I do. Yes. Okay. So, you know, you, you mentioned you have children and a husband, what, um, that's a risky, that's a risk, right? You, you're going from probably getting paid regularly with benefits to then taking that full jump. When did you do that? And was that scary? Like, what were the feelings that were going on in that, in that time? Do you remember? Yeah. So I was definitely in a position um, where I was looking for something different and not wanting to stay in my current position much longer. And I also realized that I was getting to a point with my business that I needed to be on it full time. So mm -hmm. it just wasn't going to get the traction and the growth that it needed to if I was to continue to do this as a, as a side hustle per se. So I decided it was time to to leave and do this full time. Ironically, I found out I was also pregnant mm. a few days after I provided my notice. So I probably would have stayed on a bit longer <laughs> to uh, capitalize on some of those benefits. So um, it's just been, I think it was just fate and it was meant to be. So I've, I've been able to enjoy being at home with my baby who will be a year old this weekend. You have and, a year yeah. old baby. I didn't know you had a baby, baby, baby. That's a baby. Yes. I'm yes, going to just keep saying baby over and over because I. <laughs> that's wild. Well, congratulations. That's uh, so you're working hard. Like, yeah. Are you sleeping? <laughs> yes. Luckily, baby sleeps well. My husband's been home this last year as well. So he helps take care of baby. And, you know, she does. Uh, she helps file paperwork in my office while I'm on calls. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you're, you know, you're a seasoned entrepreneur, right? Like you've been yes. doing this for how long now? Oh, I started dabbling in different businesses probably 
at least 15 years ago. So I was living in Saskatchewan, also looking for that, that next big, great idea that would allow me to exit the traditional workplace. And I started, like a lot of moms, when they're on their first mat leave, I started making things and then trying to, to build a business model around something I'd like to make. So I, I was sewing baby clothes and trying to sell those online. And I think I even got into making jams and, and baked goods. And I was living in a small community and I realized I needed a farmer's market to sell this at. So I started a local farmer's market, but quickly realized that, um, you know, trying to, to make things physically was not my forte. So we, we moved on from that. And I've dabbled in other um, things like a lot of women. But this one really was, I saw the product market fit opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and it was something that had passion behind it rather than just a physical product. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you really are a serial entrepreneur. Um, and you don't have, you know, it seems like you sort of just casually mention like, oh, yeah, I tried this and and I tried that and that didn't stick. Um, whereas like in my experience, because I, I started the baby moccasin uh, business uh, 11 or no, 12, 13 years ago, um, and that that had to close and then reopened. That was like. I, every time I tell the story, it's super dramatic because like <laughs> I felt like I failed, you know, and, and then talk about failure. Oh. But in a good way, you um, are very seem to be very nonchalant, like it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any scars uh, about it. Like, what is that? Explain that well, to me. <laughs> the bank account has scars, that's for sure. <laughs> No, you know, and I appreciate all of my wacky ideas and things that I tried with little preparation because I learned something from each of those things. So I learned about the importance of preparing and and researching before I start. And I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs these days, especially indigenous entrepreneurs, they they start with the product and then they're trying to find ways to fit that into the market and um, you need to try and test that out a few times before you, you figure out what that sequence should look like. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, you know, I, I often give workshops and I tell entrepreneurs like just fail faster and then you you've learned. And so I guess my question now is which lessons did you learn from each of your businesses or, or, you know, the things that you shot at the wall and didn't stick? What, what were the most valuable things of each time you toss something at the wall? Mm -hmm. Definitely investing some time into researching your market. So whether that's researching the competitive landscape, like is there 50 other products out there that are exactly the same? Um, is there demand uh, for the product? And it takes time to figure out to go to find where to go find those answers. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I wish I did more of was speak to similar businesses and ask them what some of their lessons have been, because that probably could have saved me from thousands of dollars of loss spent trying to bumble my way through developing processes and navigating things like complex shipping rates. So mm. doing as much of that research, not being shy to reach out and nag um, similar business owners to try to get as much knowledge up front and not rushing into it, but realizing 
it takes time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, you're giving up your evenings and weekends and, and dance, kids dance performances and stuff to, to really nail down a well thought out plan. Mm-hmm. What was your uh, biggest financial, uh, you know, we've all spent money in, in my case, you know, before I ordered two different dye lots of leather um, and then cut the toes and cut the sides. And, you know, when in reference to my baby moccasins and realize, oh, so now I'm going to have mixed matched moccasins if I didn't put the what, uh, you know, what thousands of dollars in in all of that um what was something what was something like that for you where you were like oh man i just yep that was my huge finance huge in in a sense like everybody has their own definition of huge for some people that's five hundred dollars that's huge in their world for some people it's thousands you know what i mean but where you were at yeah so i've always had really ambitious growth plans for Raven Reads in mm-hmm. terms of selling in international markets. And I've known for some time that I probably would have issues trademarking Raven Reads in the US. And and I wanted to do that from just a risk management perspective. So I'd feel comfortable, especially in the US market. Mm-hmm. And so I started working on a new brand identity for for us to use in other markets. So I knew I couldn't trademark Raven Reads in the US because there's already too many similar names and products and it would it'd be impossible. So I started going down one road of a whole new brand identity without doing some of the homework in terms of whether it would be usable. And I was trying to juggle lawyer input with designer input and we did up a whole new brand so like the logo the word mark box design and everything and then i realized that i could never use it in canada Mm. um so that you know that took some cost and that and then some money but we were able to i decided to just park that and make sure i had all my t's crossed and my i's dotted and then we were able to just roll that over into into a second brand option that I know will work in both countries. Wow. And so I guess for if you're going international, um, there's probably a whole other set of rules that you have to follow, I assume. Right. Yeah. You got to think about. So so. From an intellectual property perspective, there's certainly different trademarking processes mm-hmm. in the U.S. And, um, you know, Raven is a very common word. It's commonly associated with books. And that would typically be the category we would fall in down there. You also have to think about certain words uh, resonate different in other markets. So something that might be common in Canada, like using indigenous or the word reconciliation that's going to land a bit different with consumers in the u.s as well as europe so you have to kind of um think through words that work for your brand and your purpose but also won't create barriers to you having success in those markets as well Mm -hmm. so give our give our listeners uh an idea of they're gonna subscribe what are they getting What's the process? 
Yeah, so we, we offer an adult box as well as a children's box, which is for children aged four to seven. Then you can, uh, every three months, we will curate uh, new books and gift-like items in each box, and they are delivered straight to your door. So in the adult box, we feature a book written by a Indigenous author, and the book is usually a new release that's come out in the last 30 to 60 days. And then we include two to three gift items in there, which can be things from coffee or tea to candles, uh, jewelry, uh, or as well as little pieces of art or, or crafts. The children's box features three picture books, as well as usually a little journal for the kids to record their reading progress and provide a little ranking hmm. um, for each of the books that they read. Aw, and they're all by Indigenous authors. The children's books are either written or illustrated by an Indigenous person. That's amazing. And how do you find these uh, people? Like, how, how do you find all these authors and illustrators? So we've, uh, we work closely with publishers. So I usually survey them uh, every few months to see what's coming up. We look for um, the books obviously need to physically fit in our box. Right. So we're, we're bound by dimensions and we've, we've made mistakes there in the past where I just click and order a beautiful hardcover picture book. And then later I'm trying to figure out how to squish it into a 11 by nine box. Right. So, uh, but we, yeah, so we're looking for up and comers and um, trying to find things that that people may not already have on their bookshelf. Right. So do people, if they wanted, could they send you an email and say, hey, I wrote this, I published this book. And, you know, is that how it works as well? Yeah, we definitely do welcome emails from both entrepreneurs as well as authors and illustrators. And they can email us at support at ravenreads.org anytime. Awesome. Um, and so we are super, super excited uh, to be uh, partnering with Raven Reads. So Power Pitch and Raven Reads are coming together to support Indigenous entrepreneurs because that is what we both do. Right. And um, so uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So certainly when when you approached me with this idea, I thought it was is a great idea as there's a lot of synergy between our two missions. And Raven Reads is really the perfect platform to accommodate the curation of products from Indigenous entrepreneurs and then distributing them to a large audience that, that can cover a huge geography. So we recently moved into a new 2,000 square foot warehouse and distribution center in Kamloops. And this really gives us the capacity to receive large amounts of inventory, pack them up and, and ship them out to our partners and, and their subscribers. So this partnership, I think, is just an excellent way that we can support the entrepreneurs of, that are part of the Powell Pitch ecosystem and really kind of put it together in a beautiful package that, um, that your community can purchase and support and learn more about all those great brands that are out there. Yeah, we're so excited about it. Last year, we it was the first time that uh, we had a powwow pitch box, um, you know, from from uh, people who wanted to be a part of it, who were a part of powwow pitch product based uh, products. And um, it it sold out so quickly that we were we were surprised. Um, so we're happy to be partnering with you where now it's already 
it's something that you already do and we don't have to and we can support and showcase all this amazing talent that's happening in indigenous country and indigenous entrepreneurs are creating these things so i i can't thank you enough i uh, i appreciate you coming on board and saying yes and i think that's going to be great for um people just just everywhere who who've watched power pitch and who are you know um have all these ideas and are are go- going through with them sorry i'm just I'm so excited. I'm choking around over here. <laughs> um, so um, if you could give advice before we we close the uh, close this podcast, um, what would you give um, other indigenous entrepreneurs who are just starting out? Um, what advice would you give them? Mm-hmm. So the one thing I really like to present in terms of a message to entrepreneurs is thinking bigger and also thinking about looking at products that are already out there and thinking about how you can do it bigger better or cheaper Mm. and i think we we sometimes can have uh, a bit of a narrow view of what our opportunities for us Mm. And sometimes you just need to dabble in one area to really realize that there's, you know, a broader supply chain or opportunities to vertically integrate out from that. So constantly be looking at what you can do to make something better or more accessible, or is there a problem that's not being addressed out there? But also think further down the road, listen, if this is really successful, what do I, what else can I do with it? So, um, you know, there's great stories of thinking 10, 15 years out, if you could build the perfect idea, whether it's a solution for a community, or it's just this amazing, successful product that you make lots of money on, and then just kind of reverse engineer back from that. But certainly just thinking bigger, thinking about how you can really make either radical or incremental innovations to existing products or services that are out there and um, yeah. And then just get started. I, I really like that advice and I have, um, I'm going to share two stories that sort of shaped uh, the entrepreneur, I guess that I am now. Um, One of which is, was from the old economic development officer in my community. She's not there anymore. And she was a, an older lady, but her whole purpose was to promote uh, economic development. And when I went to see her uh, for my baby moccasin business, um, she told me everybody does baby moccasins, go home and get ready for the Christmas craft fair. That was it. Point blank. Seen absolutely zero potential. Like I was thinking far too big for her. She shut me down and basically kicked me out of the band office. Okay. Fast forward. I went on Dragon's Den within the same year. And, um, I went and whatever pitched. And so I was in there, I would say for about an hour on Dragon's End, but they only air five minutes of what happened there. So there's a lot of conversation, mostly between the dragons, but obviously some of me talking as well. And what wasn't aired is something that I still recall and think about quite often. One of the dragons said, um, I really wish you could you would have shown up and asked for 200,000 or something so that you could make uh, an actual physical location to be able to make these baby moccasins. But you didn't. You showed up and only asked for twenty thousand dollars. So uh, that's too small for me. And for that reason, you're not big enough for me and I'm out. 
Whoa. Within the same year, those lessons. So in one person's eyes, I was thinking far too big for her. And another person's perspective, I was thinking far too small for him. So, you know, it's finding that middle ground and finding where you want to be and where you see yourself and how you want to fit your business. Um, so I think that idea of of thinking big, um, what's your version of big and defining that, you know, for some people, it's to become self-sufficient. That's the big you know, some people it's to be international. That's the big. And either way, think as big as you can in what you want to accomplish or what you want to see. So I think that's an important lesson um, and that I think about quite often, actually. So I appreciate you sharing sharing that with with us today. Yeah. And just to add one more thing to that is and that through my self-reflection is it can be really hard to know what you want and know where you want to be in 10 years. And even if you start to realize what that is, it can be really difficult to articulate that to people. And you feel sometimes ashamed to say, you know, I want to grow this fast. I want a big exit so I can make lots of money. And then I can take that money and I can either, you know, spend it on my family and give us a better life, or I'm going to roll that back into another great project that can provide greater benefit back to my community. So not being shy about being ambitious and, and articulating those desires. And what a lot of companies face today is they've seen exponential growth, but they don't really know what to do next. So the opportunities are kind of flying at them, but they don't know if they want to scale this to this massive manufacturing stage where they've got large commercial contracts to buy their their soaps or their products. So and it can kind of set you off um, track a little bit if you feel like you're being put on the spot to really decide what direction you want to take your business and, and what your personal goals are with it. So just not being shy and then not being afraid to say, I want to take this to the next level and I, and I want to see it really grow and do well so that I can provide more for my family or my community. Yeah, and I, I really love that you say that. And I think uh, we've heard that throughout uh, the podcast is just that, um, you know, you say, yes, I want to make all this so that I can exit and then I'll be able to give back, meaning help. Uh, I think that's a common theme throughout all Indigenous, uh, not, not going to say all, but a lot of Indigenous businesses. Um, and why? Like, why do we feel like that? Is it because that's what how we are raised? Is that, you know, the the teachings that we were taught? I, I think there's more of uh, this conversation happening happening in other businesses, but it's been a part of the formula for most of indigenous businesses that for, from everyone that I've met. So, I, I you know, I I think that's something to celebrate and really put a light on like we are doing business right um and for the good of our entire communities yeah totally agree and I, and I, there's definitely i think some gender dynamics at play of us not um feeling comfortable getting up mm -hmm. uh like like some of our um, counterparts and and saying you know listen i'm going to grow this into a multi-million or billion dollar company mm -hmm. and you know i want to be compensated fairly for it and be known as a successful entrepreneur and so just getting used to 
standing up and practicing saying that in front of a mirror and like you said feeling comfortable getting up in front of the dragons and and putting out this absurd request uh for funding as well Hmm. yeah well thank you very much for your time i appreciate it and we can't wait to work with you um and you know where where can people find you Everything about us you can find at www.ravenreads.org. Perfect. Thank you again, and we'll see you around. Thanks, Sunshine. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us today on the Pow Wow Pitch podcast, dedicated to empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. Thank you to our co-presenting partners, RBC, Facebook, and Shopify. To our syndicate partners, Startup Canada, to our producers, Victoria Lennox and Cyprian Shalankiewicz, and to everyone who makes Powwow Pitch possible. Be sure to visit powwowpitch.org to explore how we can support you to start your business and sign up to our newsletter to learn more about the Indigenous Startup Program to get access to training and mentors, the Powwow Pitch competition for your chance to win up to $25,000, and the Indigenous Entrepreneurship Awards to celebrate your success. Until next time, I am your host, Sunshine Quemtanasco. Miigwech. <laughs> <laughs>